You are listening to Lighthearted, the official podcast of the United States Lighthouse Society. My name is Jeremy Dontremont. Welcome. My co-host today is Cindy Johnson, award-winning volunteer and chapter leadership committee member of Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses. Hi, Cindy. Hi, Jeremy. Today is May 15th, 2022, and this is episode 173 of Lighthearted. In a few minutes, we'll hear a conversation with Pam Setchell and Michelle Miroff of the Huntington Lighthouse Preservation Society in New York. We're getting into the busy lighthouse season here in New England. We'll be starting tours and events at Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse here on the New Hampshire seacoast soon. But Cindy, you're out in Arizona. We miss you here. Aw, yes, I'm still in Arizona. My mom's in Tucson, and I miss you guys in the lighthouse, too. I hope uh, you'll come back and help us with tours at some point, but probably not this year, I guess. But uh... Probably not this year, but ultimately, um, New England is, especially northern New England, the coast, is, um, is really where I want to be. Yeah, well, me too. But your your public misses you, so you have to... Oh, thank you. Yeah, and the lighthouse misses you, too. Oh, you know how we feel about Portsmouth Harbor. Yes, absolutely. Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse has a special place in our hearts. Oh, it sure does. So, not to change the subject or anything, but has anything notable happened on this date in lighthouse history, Cindy? Well, since you ask, yes. It was something important in the history of lightships, which are like floating lighthouses. On May 15, 1934, the Nantucket Lightship was anchored in 192 feet of water at the Nantucket Shoals off the Massachusetts coast. The lightship was sounding its horn to warn ships that were passing in the thick fog. Unseen by the sailors on board was the British luxury liner Olympic, a sister ship of the Titanic. The Olympic was using the lightship's radio beacon signal to navigate, but someone miscalculated and the giant liner split the lightship in two. Seven men of the 11-man crew died in the collision. The Cunard White Star Line paid for the construction of a new lightship, the LV-112, as reparation for the accident. One of the surviving lightship sailors, Robert Laurent, said, quote, It all happened so quickly, you had no chance to panic, unquote. Lightship duty has been described as long periods of boredom, followed by short periods of sheer terror. And that's uh, certainly one of the more infamous moments in uh, lightship history. So, Cindy, uh, to change the subject again, please help me tell everyone about Huntington Lighthouse and today's guests. Sure, Jeremy. In 1857, a lighthouse was built at the tip of Lloyd's Neck at the entrance to Lloyd Harbor on the north shore of Long Island, New York. Lloyd Harbor often served as a place of refuge for ships escaping rough conditions on Long Island Sound. The first structure, known as Lloyd Harbor Lighthouse, was considered inadequate. A new lighthouse to serve mariners entering Lloyd Harbor and adjoining Huntington Harbor was established in 1912. Built of reinforced concrete, the Beau Arts style of the Huntington Harbor Lighthouse makes it look like a small castle. The light station was staffed by keepers of the lighthouse service and then the Coast Guard until 1949 when it was automated. After automation, the structure fell into disrepair. As a result of a 1983 survey, the light was deemed unsafe for the Coast Guard personnel who serviced it, and it was considered too expensive to repair. The Coast Guard considered demolishing the lighthouse and erecting a steel tower in its place. 
1985, a group called Save Huntington's Lighthouse was formed to save the structure. Now known as the Huntington Lighthouse Preservation Society, the group continues to enlist volunteers and raise funds for ongoing preservation work. It was discovered in 2008 that the foundation of the lighthouse was badly deteriorated and a major restoration has been completed in recent years. Pamela Setchell is the president of the Huntington Lighthouse Preservation Society, and she's also the owner of a consulting company with more than 22 years experience enhancing corporate and commercial websites and printed products through photography. Also joining us is Michelle Miroff, who is the Huntington Lighthouse Preservation Society's recording secretary. It was a pleasure speaking with Pam and Michelle recently, and let's listen to that conversation now. I'm speaking today with Pam Setchell, who is the president of the Huntington Lighthouse Preservation Society in New York, and also Michelle Miroff, who is the Huntington Lighthouse Preservation Society's recording secretary. Thank you so much for being with me today, Pam and Michelle. Thank you. You're very welcome. So, uh, Pam, let's start with a little bit, uh, actually for both of you, I'd like to start with a little bit about your personal involvement, how that all got started. Pam, uh, what led to your involvement with the Huntington Lighthouse Preservation Society? Well, actually, I was involved uh, before it was the Huntington Lighthouse Preservation Society. Mm-hmm. I grew up here, grew up on the water. I uh, used to be one of those kids that would get on a boat and creep out there and kind of crawl up on the rocks uh, going back, oh, geez, in the 70s and um, early 70s. And, um, and then the family that started this, the Harringtons, I grew up with them. And so when they started it and, and the lighthouse was scheduled for demolition, we had found out about it all coming back from a sailing trip in Maine. And uh, it was quite an epic sailing trip. That's a, a that that's a whole podcast in itself. Hmm. And when we did get back, um, <laughs> it is an interesting one. <laughs> when we did get back, we were all sitting on the beach down in Lincoma, which is a private little area there that the beach has the best view of the lighthouse. And um, everybody was discussing the trip. This was in 1985. And... Um, they had just heard that the Coast Guard announced that they were scheduled to demolish the lighthouse the following year in 86. And so everybody was horrified. I was too, but then I was living overseas and I chimed in on the conversation, but then I eventually left. And um, Janice Harrington was the one who I was very close to who um, had said, oh, we should do something about this. And I can remember her mother-in-law saying, Oh, Janice, you should really, you should really take this over. You should, you should follow it. You should do something. Um, you know, it would be a wonderful summer project. Mind hmm. you, this was in August of 85. <laughs> so 30 odd years later, here we are. I then eventually moved back and they had started a group called Save Huntington's Lighthouse. They tried to pull me in and I helped with a few things, but they had a pretty good group and, and I wasn't involved so much. And then it was several years later where they asked me to please get involved. And I did. And um, then the rest is history. Janice then moved away. And um, then somehow I wound up with much of the enchilada uh, on my lap. <laughs> <laughs> so to speak. And, and so to speak. So uh, and that was in like 92 
So it took them two years to get the nonprofit and to convince the Coast Guard not to demolish it and convince the Coast Guard that they weren't insane. They really wanted to do this. And then, you know, they started literally peddling for for cents on the street corners. And uh, <laughs> it started started from there. Yeah. Then here I am. Then it became Huntington Lighthouse Preservation Society yeah. in about 2002. Because at that point, the group had, you know, kept it from the wrecking ball and had saved it. Now the long road of preservation was there. And once you get started on this bloody thing, you know, you fall in love with these crazy lighthouses. And the next thing you know, it sucks you in and it puts a ball and chain around your ankle and a noose around your neck. And years later, here we are. Yeah. So, oh, I, I totally I understand. I completely understand. Yeah. And uh, I knew you were in at the the beginning. I I'm, thank you for, for filling in that backstory here. Uh, but I knew you were very much a part of the, the whole thing going going back a few years. So, uh, Michelle, how did you get involved? Well, I had moved to Huntington <laughs> in 2005, and it was right after I had a house fire. And I moved in with my best friend, companion, whatever, who's now my husband, actually. But I moved in, and I was driving in the streets of Huntington, and there was a big banner across the thing that said Lighthouse Tours. And it was the last day of the tours. And I went, oh, my God, there's a lighthouse right here. And I had seen it years ago. So we went on the tour and it was the, at the end of the season. And I immediately stopped at the desk when we got off the boat and Pam was, Pam was running the tours right there from the beach. And I signed up. And the next thing I knew, you know, I was involved and it, like Pam was saying about everything else, it's, it kind of, it tugs at you. And at least I could actually do something with this lighthouse I, I didn't live close enough to Montauk or Fire Island or any of the others, but this lighthouse was part of the community and I just fell in love with it and I just had to be involved. So I signed on and, and did whatever Pam needed me to do, mm-hmm. <laughs> even though I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> and keep in mind, I'm not a boater. I'm not a swimmer. Yeah. I love lighthouses. Well, that applies to me too. I'm not a boater or a swimmer, but <laughs> Uh, I love lighthouses. And I always warn people, uh, the lighthouse bug is a good contagious disease as contagious disease diseases go. It's uh, mostly, mostly it can be a mixed blessing at times. It can be a ball and chain, as you said, Pam, but uh, for the most part, I think uh, we we do it it because (laughs) we love it though. Otherwise we wouldn't do it anymore. But um, let's talk a bit about the history of the lighthouse going back. We won't uh, get into the early detail of the Lloyd's uh, Harbor lighthouse but why did that original 1857 lighthouse built on lloyd's neck why did it need to be replaced by an offshore lighthouse if you are coming in from the sound which is one of the reasons why that lighthouse was built there's a a very a good safe haven there Mm -hmm. so it can get rather snotty very quickly on the sound and huntington and specifically lloyd harbor was known as a good run-in for boats And um, they put a lighthouse there on a spit of land uh, known as the Lloyd Harbor Light Station. And it was great to warn captains of that spit of land where you could run aground and then hence they would never get to their safe harbor. But as time progressed, the real harbor that became a commercial harbor was Huntington. And the Coast Guard 
kind of seemed to think that it would suffice for marking the entrance to both. The only problem is, is that if you continued and you cut it short, you wound up on not only um, in low water, but low water that had gigantic boulders in it. And so it was not marking an entrance into Huntington also. It almost caused more, more issues. So the lighthouse keeper in, in Lloyd Harbor then had started to petition the Coast Guard as early as I believe 1896 or seven, stating that you know this was not helpful to guide mariners into Huntington Harbor and recommended a new light station. And I guess with government as they do, they ignored him for quite a long time and then finally saw the light and uh, in 1907 appropriated funds to start to build the Huntington Lighthouse at a new location. Mm -hmm. And this lighthouse guides uh, well into both harbors, both Huntington and also Lloyd Harbor. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's how they wound up, started with the first one and ended up with the second one. Right. And I understand the the old one, the original one, the Lloyd Harbor Lighthouse lasted a while. It wasn't torn down right when the new one was built. Right. What, what did happen to that lighthouse? It lasted um, until 47 and then there was a fire in it and it was a uh, clabbered uh, structure, wood structure with a, um, a brick tower and a brick chimney. And they reckon that duck hunters had gone in there and started a fire in one of the old fireplaces. And I'm sure it had debris or whatever in it. And consequently, the whole place went up in flames. The only thing left standing was uh, the tower and the chimney. And then in 1973, that collapsed. Uh, so it's a shame because it was really quite pretty. Yeah, it was. I've seen seen pictures. Uh, so people often refer to the present lighthouse just to confuse things. They refer to the present one as Lloyd Harbor Lighthouse. But correct. am I correct in saying that the, the proper name is Huntington Harbor Lighthouse? Well, it was actually the Lloyd Harbor Light Station. And um, when we took it over, then uh, Janice Harrington petitioned to change the name to the Huntington Harbor Lighthouse basically to you know separate it from the two because the first one really marked the entrance to Lloyd Harbor and Lloyd Harbor only mm -hmm. and this one marked was built really with the thought in mind to mark the entrance to Huntington and then it also inadvertently would mark Lloyd Harbor also right. so she petitioned to change the name and it was changed oh okay all right I, I actually wasn't clear of that part of it so that's that's good to know but I know there's, it appears as both uh, on various websites, but, you know, by, by both yeah. names. So it can get a little confusing, but we'll, we'll refer to it as Huntington Harbor <laughs> Lighthouse. Um, so is there anything uh, that you would say is unique or uh, unusual about the style of Huntington Harbor Lighthouse, the architectural style? Well, yeah, it's a bow art style. It actually, to simplify it, it looks like a little mini castle. Mm -hmm. Um it's got a balustrade around the top uh, deck, which looks like a balustrade that one might associate with a castle in England or in Europe somewhere. And it is poured reinforced concrete. So um, it's a very, very unique looking structure. 
with a gigantic deck on top, uh, which is considerably different than, you know, the vast majority of lighthouses that exist out there. Uh, it's rectangular, it's very boxy and square. Uh, so it's not what everybody tends to think of as that beautiful round spiral type lighthouse uh, with a, a keeper's quarters at the bottom. But it's, it's quite unique looking. And it's a little short squat lighthouse out in the middle of the water. It's not very tall. Unfortunately, they never were allowed or they never did paint it. So being that it's poured reinforced concrete, sometimes you just don't pick it out, out off the horizon very easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we'll talk a little bit more in a few minutes about the uh, the preservation of the, the building and how it's held up and that kind of thing. But just a little bit more about the history, if we could talk a, a bit about the human history. It was a family light station, right? It had keepers. Uh, yes. Was it a single keeper station or were there multiple keepers? There was it was a single keeper station. Mm-hmm. And then um, on occasion, it was a keeper and his wife. There actually were uh, two families that were out there. One was a sizable family, um, but that was in the days also when the old lighthouse existed. And then there was another family with a wife and a baby and a child. Mm -hmm. I have no idea how they did it, but apparently they did. Yeah. Is there anything that stands out for you? Any stories of uh, the keepers there and families' life? life at the station? Uh, The first lighthouse, we received an incredible recap from one of the keepers that had been there, actually from the daughter, the eldest daughter. And um, they talked of when the heat went out and how cold and drafty it had been. And she hated living on the lighthouse. And she said that her life started at the age of 17 when she could get off. Mm. But how it had gotten so cold that when they went to the crib that the blanket had been damp and literally the corner of it was frozen. And I can tell you that left a lasting impression in my mind. (laughs) Yeah. A lasting impression. Um, And then there was a keeper that passed away, I guess, about six years ago, who used to tell us the stories of how it was to be out there by himself. And there were times that the fog rolled in and he remembered one time where it was foggy the bulk of two weeks and about how crazy it was having to get up every two hours to two and a half hours to look outside, to see what the conditions were and, you know, run downstairs in the basement and wind the cuckoo clock like mechanism and listen to the gong which was really only one level above him, Mm. you know, for the next two and a half hours to again, reassess the situation and do it again. And um, so he talked of that and told of some stories and about how he couldn't even get off at that time and about how, when it was great and they ate lobster and fresh fish and those were the glorious times and, Um, You know, a lot of the stories that I heard, some were horrible and some were pretty amazing. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was very different between the two lighthouses. Very different because the other one was somewhat on land. Yeah. Michelle, did you want to add something? Yeah, only because um, I I 
enlisted the help of our historian, Steve Eckers. And there is rumor of it. Nowhere does it appear in the logs. However, Albert Einstein would summer in 1937, right on West Shore Road, which ironically is the road that we go and it to our beach to catch, to take our boat to the lighthouse. And apparently, I don't know, I don't think it was that dangerous because he would have reported it or else it was just bragging rights later. But apparently Albert Einstein probably did tip over the boat or something. He had his own little sailboat uh. and apparently one of our keepers rescued him. It's a rumor. Oh, wow. I don't know uh -huh. how, but it's really, it's a cool rumor. And he did really summer on West Shore Road at a woman's house named Maud Klotz, K-L-O-T-S, mm -hmm. okay. 1937. So, and that, I just think that's a pretty cool story. It is, it is. Just Actually, see, the keeper, mm -hmm. yeah, the, the keeper that was a substitute keeper, Louis Anderson, who passed away um, about five, six years ago, did speak of the story and he did he did kind of lay down his fist and say that that did happen ah. so um i don't know if louis was the substitute keeper at that time but he spoke with great conviction having not consumed his martini um <laughs> saying that yes that that did happen did einstein consume a martini i wonder before or two before that <laughs> I think if he was hanging out with Louie, he probably did. <laughs> yeah. Well, just because he was a smart guy doesn't mean he was a good boater. So, uh, but no. anyway, that could, that could happen to just about anybody in the right circumstances. So that's, that's quite a story. That's amazing. Um, anything else uh, that springs to mind about the human history, about keepers and families? Pam, didn't someone, um, they actually, a lot of times the families were on shore and, they would send their son or something. He'd come out to help and would have to take a bicycle on the boat to the shore. Well, yes, we have pictures of one of the families that lived there. And it's amazing what they carried back and forth because they would, you know, bring a bicycle. And of course, they were all like minstrels. They had their musical instruments and, and um, floating models and all sorts of cool things. But yeah, they they would transport a bicycle back and forth. You would have thought that you wouldn't have had to worry about it if you left it on the beach, but I guess that wasn't quite the case. We have pictures of all this paraphernalia up on the um, keeper's landing being stored in addition to the uh, the uh, rowboat that you know they would hook to the davits. Um, but yeah, they would they were very very creative out there. They were all yeah. musicians. They were several cats that lived out there. There were cat stories. Hmm. Um, Swimming but cats? But outside of that, uh, not that I know of, but I think that they were kind of cat enjoying fish. themselves cat down on the rock catching fish. Yeah. Yeah. No, no swimming cats, but they, okay. there were three big fat cats out there. Uh-huh. There was a famous uh, swimming and fishing cat at a uh, lighthouse, Palmham Rocks Lighthouse in the Providence River in Rhode Island. They used to dive in and catch fish. So I was wondering if, if you might have had any of those. Oh, really? That's yeah. cool. Yeah, no. I know Palmham Rocks, but gee. Yeah. His paw prints are in the concrete there. I was there not too long ago. You can see Tommy's paw prints actually next to the lighthouse in the concrete. Um, I love it. I love yeah. it. So let's skip ahead. And uh, what happened to the lighthouse after it was automated in 1949? Pretty much what happens to all of them. It kind of 
you know, started to fall apart and fall into disrepair. And, you know, they're, they're always put out in these places that are exposed to the elements in the worst way. And the Coast Guard didn't really maintain it. They maintained the navigational aids, but as far as, you know, the, the paint on the windows and the doors and all that, it was all let go. So by the time that I had moved here and was on the water, I moved here in 66 and I think I laid my eyes on the lighthouse for the first time and probably 68 or nine, it looked like, you know, an abandoned kind of hunk of concrete, you know, with boarded up windows and all that. So it, it, it rapidly declined. It rapidly declined. Mm -hmm. Hence the decision to uh, uh, demolish it. Half the roof was gone. It was it was a sad state of affairs, as with all of them that they got up and walked away from. Yeah, yeah. Well, you you talked at the beginning here a little bit about the uh, formation of the the organization that eventually became the uh, the Huntington Lighthouse preservation society that is the name right yeah Huntington Lighthouse preservation society but um if you yes. could say a little bit about uh i know there's been different uh projects over the years sort of stages of restoration what what are some of the highlights what's been accomplished so far so let's see we saved it uh they rebuilt windows which of course they are now uh need to be completely rebuilt uh not rebuilt they need to be built from scratch a roof was put on immediately with new um, beams, floor, everything. That was the first thing. And um, fast forward, you go on from there, I would probably say the single most monumental thing that was accomplished uh, that puts a smile on my face is that we did a major foundation repair because we discovered that our rectangular foundation being poured reinforced concrete and not granite block had really come into a perilous situation. The riprap shifts in the winter and it did, and it cracked the corners. Salt water gets into the concrete, hits the rebar. The rebar now starts to expand and all the concrete started to disintegrate. And we then had a foundation that had tons of exposed Rebar, in some cases, the rebar wasn't there anymore. It had rusted and fallen off. So we discovered that our foundation was in trouble. And so we did a $1.1 million foundation repair. It set out to be a four-month project that was just a fraction shy of two years. And that was and when? I can officially, that was started in July of 2016, and it was mm -hmm. completed in July of 2018. And that is by far the biggest project um, that we uh, have, have done. The other big project was we got lucky. The Coast Guard decided to build us a steel pier. In the 90s, they had uh, surplus funds. I think it was the last year they ever had a dime that was surplus. And they donated some of the money to us. They came and started the peer project only to find out that it was kind of a disaster and they did continue through with it. And then we uh, put a ramp and a float and pilings out so that we had 
a, a fixed floating dock during the season. And that opened the doors because now you could have people out there, you know, without danger. Mm -hmm. uh, so that changed the life. But certainly the concrete repair, that gave me this full head of gray hair. <laughs> Yeah. So, so what most needs to be done at this point? All new windows, of which we have just received a grant for, and we have a matching donor. That is right now the initial thing on the horizon. We actually are, believe it or not, replacing our float after 20 years. Um, but really the next major thing, and this is going to have to come on the radar pretty soon, is we need an upper structure masonry repairs, repointing done. And that's going to have to be done pretty soon. And we need about another 350 to 400 tons of riprap added to our riprap that is there. And the lighthouse never did have enough riprap around it. It was documented, but unfortunately, they never added to it. So yeah. we'll have to add to that. After that, it's kind of cyclical. It's a, that's never done. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. No, it's an ongoing no. process. Mm -hmm. Kind of like a house, but you know, we're never done with our homes maintaining and repairing. This one is just kind of on steroids. <laughs> that's a good you way know? to put it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Have there been problems with vandalism? Surprisingly, no, until recently we had some vandalism where they came and they, broke into the lighthouse um, and hung political flags, uh, banners up from the top. And they uh, busted up the original uh, door frame, which is, you know, obviously old. It's quite, it was quite attractive. And um, they made it a point to jam the, the lock, toothpicks and glue. So when we thought we could undo that quickly, that didn't happen. So that was probably, that was, well, it's certainly one of the worst. Nobody has, has really, you know, a couple of rocks through windows, but surprisingly, no. And uh, I almost don't even want to say that out loud for fear I'll jinx myself. We've yeah. caught people out there. Um, but otherwise, no, I have to say we've been really, really quite lucky. Very fortunate. We should mention our yeah. squatters, our honorable squatters that recently inhabited our lighthouse. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, we had a couple of, we had a cute little furry couple that decided that they oh, wanted okay. to live out there. Those kinds of squatters. <laughs> yeah. I feel yeah. like I want to guess what floor. animals we're talking about here. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, guess. Yeah. Hmm. Not otters. Keep in mind. Hmm. No. Oh Some, no, 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 no. These are these are little winged creatures. Winged creatures. <laughs> Keep going. You well, you I thought you said furry, so that was leading me towards the the mammal oh, side yeah. of things. But eagles? Feathered Close. friends. Close. <laughs> Some kind of hawks or something? Yeah, we or acquired birds um, of prey. A, a young osprey. Feather, a yeah. young yeah, osprey. Mm -hmm. Yep. I actually called the US Lighthouse Society. I actually called and got, I think, Jeff Gales and asked mm -hmm. him, what can we do? And that was before we knew what was going to happen. And I started reading up on it. But even though I had no control over that, I was just curious, like, what do you do? What do you do? So 
I called Jeff and he said, whatever you do, don't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, and here we are. But it that's was too a, it's, late. it was too late, though. Yeah. It's solved now, right? Is it? Well, yeah. it, it, it's solved. It's interesting. Our logo changed that summer, which was last. Was it last summer? Uh, yeah, it was yes. last summer. Our logo changed. And and so you may be a little confused by that comment. This. Can you see this? Okay? Um, I can see it. Our listeners can't see it, but it's okay. a, you've got a, a an osprey or an osprey nest on yes. one side and a flying uh, osprey uh, by the lighthouse. Yes. That's cool. <laughs> we um, we had learned that uh, the osprey, as they always try to build something on top of the lighthouse, and you know, legally, you can remove it as long as it's just the beginning stages with no egg or anything. But we had a boat issue and. The weather was kind of crummy last year, and I never made it out there. And then they said, oh, no, it's nothing. Forget it. The wind blew it away. And I was like, okay, good. And then somebody happened to say they were making a home on the uh, the steel pier. And um, I thought, uh-oh, that's not good. And then we had a horrendous storm. Hoped it had gone away, but it didn't. And by the time we could get out there, there was an egg in it. And I thought, uh oh, we got a problem because now we can't hook up our gangway. We can't get on the lighthouse. We are in big, big trouble. <laughs> and the Coast Guard so, couldn't get there either. Hmm. Well, they could. They'd scale the rocks. Oh. They'd scale the rocks. When, you know, I spoke with them and they said, don't worry, you know, we'll, we'll get in through the rocks. But anyway, thank God, New York State DEC. I, I spoke with them and they told me of a couple of the options and because they would deem it a nuisance nest, they had the ability to do something about it. And I said, well, what, what, what is that, in, you know, entail? And then when they told me, I said, oh, no, 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 no. Okay. Hang on. How can we all peacefully cohabitate? Can't we just move it? Mm-hmm. Well, after about five days of trying to brainstorm this and figure out where you could put a pole. And if you put the pole, then the DEC could come in and transport the nest and the eggs. We weren't hitting any pay dirt here. And I woke up in the middle of the night and I thought, hang on a second here. What if we build a steel pole out on the granite rock? And the DEC said, well, that would be awesome, but how are you going to do that? I said, give me an hour. (laughs) Got a hold of two marine contractors I knew, one who had done the million-dollar project. And I said, here's the problem. This is what we need. What, what can we do? They dropped everything they were doing, and they built – they got all the, the steel, and they built a nest. And then they came in on another day with a barge, and they swung a generator over onto the uh, lighthouse – And then we went out with the DEC, seven of us, and the DEC gave everybody a job and said, this is what we're going to do. We're doing this within 20 minutes. Everybody has to do their due diligence, and we will transport the nest. And you never saw seven people, two people with the DEC scramble so fast in all your life. And got the nest and the eggs up there. And then, of course, we, you know, watched it and watched it. We got off the lighthouse and uh, we were absolutely tickled out of our minds that, you know, one of them had come back to the nest. And then eventually the two of them came back to the nest. 
Um, the DEC said it was a young pair. They did not believe the eggs were viable because mm. of where they had built the nest. It was very low to the water and it was cold. And so the eggs weren't viable. But I'm happy to say that we were out there the other day and uh, one of them has come back. And I, there could be both of them out there now, but they have come back. So we decided that they've now become part of the logo. I don't know that they're going to be overly happy to see me when I go back out there again, because, you know, when we did go out last year, they were squawking. It was kind of like, all right, look, you built me a condo, but the whole joint is ours. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know. Well, it could be interesting. Wow. We gave them a new home and a perch and, um, and Michelle and her husband were gracious enough to donate the money um, to pay for it. And I have to say these two Marine contractors dropped everything they were doing and they made it happen. It was a reality. So it was a pretty cool story. Pretty that is cool a story. great story. Yeah. I think we named him Gertrude and Heathcliff, maybe. Uh, okay. Hilton. That's a uh, red yeah, skeleton. I remember. He made me promise we wouldn't name him. <laughs> yeah. I remember the red skeleton, the uh, gulls, seagulls. He would <laughs> do the skits. Yeah. Um, wow. That's, that's a great story. Are you going to have a, uh, a, a um, Osprey cam maybe I can't, so people can watch them. That would them? be cool. We should do I that. would love to do that. Um, yeah. I'd like to get a, a weather cam out there mm-hmm. um, that will also, you know, also uh, be able to watch the nest. One of the issues is, is we no longer have our underwater uh, electrical cable. So everything has to be solar powered. Yeah. But that would be good. It would be really cool. Cause I know people are just dying to see, you know, how they're doing, who knows, yeah. maybe we'll have a whole family out there, mm-hmm. which could be good, which could be, could be concerning. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think, but people love that sort of thing. So that's, it's absolutely a great story. So let's talk about, there's a a unique uh, fundraising event. I think it's kind of your signature event. And I believe Pam, if I remember right, I believe you're the, you're the mastermind behind, (laughs) behind this, the uh, Huntington Lighthouse Music Fest. Can you tell me about that, how it started and what it is? Well, it actually started as a suggestion from someone that um, was involved with me for quite a long time involved with the lighthouse who uh, had put together another fest out there when uh, Janice originally acquired the lighthouse and where there were people playing music on a, on a schooner uh, surrounding the lighthouse. But they kept, we kept talking about doing some kind of a music fest out there. And I do have to say that I was the person that said, no, you're insane. And I said that for three years. And then finally, one year, I threw in the towel and I said, all right, fine, let's give it a try. And um, so we had live music, a live band. It was called the Jazz Fest, the first one. And um, they played from the rooftop of the lighthouse to a mooring field of boaters. And um, we put it together in six weeks. And figured out, let's just see what happens. And there were probably about 100, 125 boats out there. And everybody thought it was the greatest thing since sliced bread. So then the next year, we decided to do it again. And those 125 people remembered. And then we put it up on our Facebook page, and they became 500 boats. And it grew from there. And the Music Fest now, down the pike, 
has grown to approximately 1,500 boats, 1,600 boats that come from New Jersey, Westchester, Connecticut, Rhode Island, all over the place. They'll come in, many will come in the day before or then the morning of, and it's grown to an event where there are approximately six or seven bands that play live from the rooftop of the lighthouse, but now it has become a situation where all of our sound gear, which grew from a few speakers to a half a million dollars worth of sound gear that we rent, is on a barge adjacent to the lighthouse, but the bands still perform from the rooftop. Mm-hmm. And I do have to say, it's quite a wild, incredible event. And then we have teens, we call them teens on the water, and they're young people that go around in Zodiacs. Uh, Centerport Yacht Club is very involved in it, and they go boat to boat to boat and hold up ships for bounty and sell the commemorative T-shirt for the year. And um, people donate money. Uh, They pay for the T-shirt. And many times they'll give us a 50 for a $20 T-shirt and uh, keep the change. And we have dog cookies for dogs on board and crazy beads and things that we hand out to children, booty. And we put together a journal and everybody gets the journal that's about 116 pages laced with historic information and all sorts of info as to what we did last year. And it's become quite a cult following. Every year, though, it's a little bigger. (laughs) (laughs) And every year I say, I'm never doing this again. (laughs) But But it's... um, And every year we say, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The minute the first note is uh, played, it's it's good. But it is actually a tremendous undertaking, um, a tremendous responsibility. Mm -hmm. uh, Because you've got... A lot of boats out there, a lot of people swimming, and, you know, safety is the A number one concern. Yeah. Did you miss a year or two with COVID? We missed one year with COVID, and then the previous year, uh, we did not have it for more of some other external kind of reasons that mm-hmm. are a bit of a long story. Um And then we missed one year during construction, 2017. Mm -hmm. 2017, we did 2016, we were surrounded by a barge and a massive crane, but we had it. And then 2017, when they were coming around the third side of the lighthouse, doing the concrete foundation, uh, the fourth side, the keepers, the landing platform, the keepers uh, deck, we called it, it collapsed. So abruptly we had no access to the lighthouse. So that kind of threw that one right out the window. So we had to cancel it. Mm -hmm. It's happening this year, right? Uh, As long as we raise enough money to do it, we've got some, uh, we've got, we've got a little bit of a tough road this year because the cost of putting it on has gone up quite a bit. And, you know, logistically, it's a tough one and we have to do things a little bit differently. So um, we're hoping that, you know, if we raise enough money, it will make it will make it easier. Yeah. And um, I can't imagine a year without Music Fest, but it does really hinge on the money to put the event on. Yeah, that's understandable. 
I was thinking it's probably the uh, outside of the Beatles. It's probably the most famous rooftop concert I know about. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I like that comparison. That, that's kind of good. Yeah. Yeah. It's the uh, only concert in the world held live on top of a working lighthouse. Yeah, I certainly can't think of anything remotely remotely like it. It's uh, it's I great. I was thinking. I would think if anybody would know, you would know. <laughs> yeah. Well, most lighthouses don't present that opportunity. It's rare to have enough of a, a flat roof on, on such a structure to be able to do that. So that's exactly. a, that's a blessing yeah. in that, in that sense. So that's great. I wonder how the, if you uh, do it this year, I wonder how the uh, Osprey will enjoy it. They usually are gone. By uh, that is something oh, is it? rolling around. Yeah. Yeah. They, it, they usually bail um, at the end of August, first half of September. It's mm -hmm. that first half of September uh, that is worrisome. You know, if they come and lay eggs and have a couple of little guys, you know, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I, I, it should be interesting to see how we all peacefully cohabitate. Yeah. And um, if the music fest happens, well, it's, it's when again? Saturday. Yeah. Oh, it is Labor Day, Day weekend. weekend. Right. Okay. So that's Saturday of Labor Day weekend. Yeah. That's interesting with the timing of the, the Osprey season. Yeah. Yes. Um, so uh, is there anything else uh, you want to mention? What, what are some of the other ways you've uh, raised money? I'm sure there's a lot of ways over the years, but uh, other events. I know you do tours. So I want to talk about that in a minute, but anything else? That we, can we do tours this year. We're going to resurrect the um, a couple of our uh, evening dinner tours. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we have three on the schedule and uh, people will uh, come out and they'll enjoy uh, a buffet kind of dinner mingle and uh, get to stay out there through the sunset. And it's nice because people are there for about two and a half hours. So they get to they get to be there and, and see, touch and feel the place and get a little attached to it, of which, you know, once you get out there, it, it's it's pretty, it's really cool. And, and then that's develops new friends, good friends. And many of these people become, become donors, which is, is good and important. We are hoping to have our birthday dinner again this year, uh, which is around it's June 16th. And we have a fundraiser out there. Um, and we have about 70 people that, that come and um, we have an incredible, incredible food, an interesting bar with a signature drink. And uh, when you get off the boat, you will be greeted with a glass of champagne. And sometimes we've even had a caviar bar on the dock. Wow. So it's quite, quite an event, live music. It's quite an event. People love it. And um, hopefully that will be happening this year. And, um, you know, we'll have small uh, private events. We have a gentleman that called that wanted to have a 60th birthday gathering out there. So uh, things like that and small private tours, not just the regular scheduled tours, but mm -hmm. some small private tours. Those are those are great. But, you know, it's not so difficult to raise money once you're able to take people out to see it. When you can't, it's a little bit yeah. more challenging. We've yes. had weddings. We've had weddings at the lighthouse. We've had weddings out at the lighthouse. Um, we actually had a gal get married last year, two people, uh, but gal get married last year, her and her husband um, grew up here. 
and um, even their wedding invitation uh, had a picture of the lighthouse. And she kept saying for two years to me, I want to be involved. I want to be involved. I've heard that many, many times. And she is. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. And that was, that was good. Pam, didn't she row to the lighthouse to her wedding? She rowed herself to the lighthouse in a rowboat in her wedding gown. I love it. Yes, they, they, they took her out by boat and then quite a ways away from the lighthouse. They helped her off the boat into a dinghy that had fresh flowers trimmed all around the boat. And when, she wasn't paying attention when they helped her and she wound her up realizing she was facing the wrong way. <laughs> and of course, the guy said, well, just turn around. And she said, you try that with a wedding dress. <laughs> and she turned, got herself turned around and she rode in some pretty chop, pretty big chop to the lighthouse and um, got up, climbed up to the top and uh, got married. That was that was really something. And her guests came by boat. They all stayed on their boats and family came up onto the lighthouse. And it was quite a festive day. It was it was the, one of the coolest weddings out there. We had another one where they got married on a rainy day and they got married on the day that they met on a lighthouse tour in the cupola. And they came out in the rain. We all went out in the rain. They climbed over the barge. It was under construction. They came on, on the barge and they climbed up to the top and they got married in the rain. Wow. So we had something else unusual <laughs> that wasn't a fundraiser, but uh, I got and I I would venture to say, I don't know how many lighthouses have this. I got my priest to go out and he blessed the lighthouse. He created a special blessing just for our lighthouse. And he blessed the lighthouse during one of the tours. And I don't, I don't know if there yeah. are any of the lighthouses that have had that done. I know of uh, services held at lighthouses, like on Easter morning and, and different you know, special services. Oh, but not cool. not a, a blessing in particular. It's the first I've heard of that. So they bless of, the fleet in Gloucester. That's a traditional yes. feast every or you know, yes, celebration every year here. in Gloucester Mass. They do it there too. Yeah. Mm. Yep, we do that here. Yeah. I was thinking about instituting a blessing of the fleet here mm -hmm. and having it from the lighthouse and have everybody, you know, you know, do it up at the lighthouse. That could be kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, Michelle, can do you want to just mention uh, again? You were a guest on the podcast. Uh, people uh, who listen, or regular listeners, would have heard this uh, a few weeks ago now uh, about the art event uh, with Jan Guarino. But you linked up with the artist Jan Guarino and did a interesting project that ben has benefited the Huntington Lighthouse. Right? Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Jan and I are fellow artists at a little gallery in Northport Village, which is a very quaint village if you've never been to Northport, and. Uh, it's one of the six harbors surrounding us. And um, so I approached Jan and said, I wanna do this card. I'd like to do a card with our lighthouse in it. I'd like you to paint it. And I want it to be a winter scene. I, would I wanted it with a wreath I hadn't decided yet or not. I didn't tell Pam about it right away because I wanted to surprise her because I didn't want our lighthouse to pay for this. I said, I will pay for this. But I said, I think it's it'll be really a nice thing to do. So. Jan did the painting and it was her idea to invite some of the board members. She says, why don't you invite your board members and I'll paint it while they watch. So it was great because we had Steve, who's the historian, Antonia, who wrote the book, uh, 
and we had Deanna, the vice president. Pam, I think, was involved in a, a shoot of her own that day, so she couldn't attend. But they shared a lot of historical facts with Jan while she painted our lighthouse. And then it just kept growing. And I kept saying, okay, now we can have cards, we can have prints. And that's when it occurred to me, I'm going to reach out to the U.S. Lighthouse Society. And why can't this benefit other preservation societies, even historical preservation societies, maybe not even lighthouses, but historical preservation societies. And it's a way that it could involve something like this and it can help everyone. Mm -hmm. Knowledge is such a powerful thing. And I think it was, it was just, it snowballed and it was just wonderful. And I mean, Jan was another artist and she was a friend and an acquaintance, but now she's a really good friend. I love it. I love the whole uh, idea of, of what you initiated with that, with Jan and, and you've uh, turned Jan into, if, if she wasn't already a lighthouse nut, and I think she was somewhat already, but she she's more, more so yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. And she's a, an excellent artist and teacher. Yeah. So she did a great job with the portrait of your lighthouse. And I believe there's two different versions. People can get no cards with there's two different versions of the paintings. Correct. Is that right? Correct. We've sold cards. We've sold G clay prints mm-hmm. and all the money goes to the lighthouse, which is great because because of the way it was done, we even had a wonderful gentleman who is the printer for our journal. He's one of our sponsors for Music Fest. And I was going to pay for the printing. And he said, it's for the lighthouse. It's on me. He's a wonderful guy. So all the money is going to the lighthouse. It's not like we had to spend money to buy merchandise to then resell. And, right. you know, it, that's that's one of the beauties of this. So people can buy uh, note cards and uh, note cards prints and prints. Yes. Through your website. Yes. What is your website again? Huntingtonlighthouse.org. That's easy. Huntingtonlighthouse.org. And there's a, there's other things in the online gift shop yes. as well, yes. right? There's the book that was done, the Arcadia. Uh, uh, is that available on there or is that? Yes. So uh, can you tell me what's happening with tours this coming season? public tours, regular public tours? Well, it'll start in June. Uh, It's the second Sunday uh, in June, July, August, and then it's a Saturday in uh, September. Uh, We'll be having our regular tours. They go from 11 until three o'clock. And and then we will be having the three dinner tours. We used to have more tours but we found that it's kind of better if we have less and that we go all day long and fill them and we'll see how it goes. Hopefully now that we're coming out of knock on wood COVID, if we see that things are really busy and we, you know, then obviously we will add some tours. We've had a lot of requests for private tours, private groups, and we kind of enjoy them. Mm -hmm. They're during the week. They're usually interesting groups of people and they really appreciate being able to go out there. And of course, you're not dealing with such a time constraint where you're trying to turn the boat around and keep a good schedule going. So um, we're anxious to get going. We'll be out there in a couple of weeks getting her all ready and buffed and shined so that we can um, have it looking respectable inside to, mm-hmm. to have guests. Excellent. And all that information is on the website, right? Huntingtonlighthouse.org? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And on National Lighthouse Day, we will be having a dinner tour. Oh, okay. August 7th. So that, August 7th, yes. Mm-hmm. We'll be having a dinner tour. There won't be any regular tours, but there will be a dinner tour. Excellent. 
So, Pam, I have a big open-ended question for you here, okay? Why does Huntington, why does Huntington Harbor Lighthouse need to be saved? Oh, without getting emotional, you know what? These are our castles, these lighthouses. And I just feel very strongly, I was lucky enough to travel all over the world for 12 years. And I mean, in places that you couldn't pronounce. And um, we're not very good at preserving in this country, sadly enough. Uh, we knock down and build something else. And these structures were built in the most obscure, difficult locations to mark and welcome people coming from other parts of the world, ships, may it be goods, may it be people immigrating to come here. And I just think that if we don't preserve and tell the story, it's just a detriment to, to our society over here. I think that the story has to be told for every lighthouse. There are castles and we don't have castles here. We have forts, but we don't have castles. And I think that it's just, it's a, it's a history that we cannot afford to lose no matter what. I'm a great advocate that every one of them, every bloody one of them should be saved. I concur. It's our, it's, it, yeah, I really, I, I feel very strongly about it. I feel yeah. very strongly about it. Even if you can't go park your car and walk up and go see it, um, they got to keep her out there. There's got to be a way. And um, even if you can't board it, save it. And people have to be able to go out and, and go around it and see it and, and just appreciate what people went through 100, 150, 200 years ago to build these things. Because mm -hmm. they're truly just amazing. Yep. I couldn't and agree more. Yeah. So I have one final question. This is for both of you. And maybe, maybe uh, Michelle, you might want to take this first. This is for bonus points. Okay. All right. The question is, what is... <laughs> What is your favorite thing about your involvement with the Huntington Lighthouse Preservation Society? I think my favorite thing, and I'm involved in quite a few other volunteer opportunities, everything from the, our local historical society and also visiting nurse service and hospice. But I find that what is the best thing about it is working together towards a common goal with other people and just that's what it's about. It's about being together, sharing, working together, achieving something, because none of us can do it by ourselves. It's teamwork. And I think that's the best thing about it. I wouldn't know. I, I wouldn't know about 40% of the people I've come in contact with and learned to know about without the lighthouse. It's common denominator for a lot of people. And that's, I think, the best thing about it because it's mm -hmm. all about people. Mm -hmm. Pam, you want to take that question? Well, for me, I'm, I've seen this lighthouse since the late 60s, and I know what it looked like. And so for me, uh, it's been a, a, an enormous sense of, of accomplishment. Um, I've you know stuck with it for a long time, and I've, I've beaten many people up over it. Um, <laughs> But 
I think probably what I've met an enormous amount of amazing people over the years. I, I mean, amazing people, you know, it's that old, you never know who you're standing or you're in the presence of. I think one of the most exciting things to this day is when people look at you and, and, and they are aware of what it is you're involved in and they kind of scratch their head or they don't believe it or they, you know, they're kind of perplexed or they're amused or they're interested, but seeing their faces when you get them off the boat and you take them through the lighthouse and then you say, now people lived here. And this is what they did when just those faces that you see um, and you see their expressions when they get to see, touch and feel it and spend some time out there. That always gives me a hit, mm-hmm. always gives me a hit to this day. It's just and then they look at you and they go, wow, I get it. I yeah. get it. The aha moment so to this. day, It's that aha moment. And to this day, that still gets me excited and I look at them and I go, ah, so now you think I'm crazy. <laughs> Some of them still look at me and say, yes, <laughs> well, but I get it. It's I true. think there's such a thing as crazy in a good way. And I think all of us who are into, into lighthouses maybe have that. I'm not going to say problem, yep. but ha- have that. It's a good problem. <laughs> it is. It is. Like I said, it's a good contagious disease. The, uh, the lighthouse bug. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I want to thank you both so much, Pam Setchell and Michelle Miroff. This is absolutely great, uh, and it's wonderful talking with you today. And I uh, hope to uh, see you both in the not-too-distant future. And I need to take a tour of your lighthouse, which I have not yes. done. I'm not sure it's going yes. uh, to happen this year, but I'm determined to get there. I, <laughs> I will. I, I promise. I'm going to put it on my agenda for next year. I am planning to make a trip to that area next year. I think I'm, my schedules, my dance card is mostly full for, for this year at this point, but I need to do that. And uh, you guys do a great job. And uh, it's a unique lighthouse and you have uh, one of the best known uh, events, the annual, uh, almost annual uh, rooftop concert, the uh, the music festival there is a great thing uh but you're doing great work and uh again i just want to thank you so much for everything you do and thank you for talking with me today thank you jeremy you're doing great jeremy, work thank, as well. you. thank you michelle thank you, thank you both and we All so right. appreciate it thank you You can learn more about the Huntington Lighthouse Preservation Society by visiting HuntingtonLighthouse.org. The book on the lighthouse that's part of the Images of America series can be purchased on the site, as well as note cards, clothing, and other items. In the interview, we talked about the popular music fest that's held at Huntington Harbor Lighthouse on Labor Day weekend. The organization is looking for sponsors for the event, and you can read more about it on the website. Thanks, as always, to everyone associated with the U.S. Lighthouse Society. You can learn all about the society at uslhs.org. And remember that memberships and donations support this podcast, as well as preservation grants and other initiatives. If you listen to this podcast through a platform that allows you to post reviews, please rate and review us. The American writer and philosopher Ralph Waldo Emerson once said, quote, Live in the sunshine, swim in the sea, drink the wild air, unquote. 
On the next episode of Lighthearted, we'll be talking about another New York lighthouse, this time on the Hudson River. Our guest will be Patrick Landaway, the modern-day keeper of Sargadi's Lighthouse. As always, to all our regular listeners and to our new ones, thanks so much for listening, and keep a good light. Bye.